disappointing, baffling, frankly. Getting me to make those mistakes one time in the last series. You know, we're rolling early in the game and uh, just give it back to them. Those are those are things that we haven't we haven't done. And you just frankly you just can't do if you're serious about winning. Yeah, it was baffling. It's fan drive time, Sportsnet five nine of the fan, Sportsnet three sixty, Ben Ennis, Blake Murphy, uh Maple Leafs follow up what was maybe their best period of the entire postseason, despite the fact they only led it by a single goal. Dominant! 20 minutes in Game 2 to open up the game yesterday against the Panthers, and then within a span of 90 seconds, it was all over because the baffling stuff happened, Mm -hmm. and now you find yourself in a two-games-to-none series deficit going to Florida where you've never lost this postseason. Um, But, yeah, it was a baffling baffling 60 minutes of hockey yesterday, Blake. Ben Ennis, Sheldon Keefe are hoodwinked, bamboozled, (laughs) crab rangoon, things of that nature. Uh, (laughs) All sorts of nonsense. No, it was, uh, you know, baffling is a good one for it because you can get, you can understand one mistake, right? Mm -hmm. Like you come out and the Nylander turnover at the start of the the second period that leads to the Barkov goal. And you can kind of get there like, Hey, you had a really good first period. You were up to, um, yeah, you gave one up and I I don't think there's too much. You can hang on the Leafs for that. That first Panthers goal. Tavares loses an edge going around the back of the net. It's just a tremendous uh, centering pass to Lindell. Um, I don't know how much you can, do anything other than tip your hat on that one. But you're riding high off of that first period, and yeah, you get caught napping a little bit. The baffling part to me is that they double down on it by like not waking up, not course correcting at all, and then like a pretty uncharacteristic... Matthews turnover that that eventually leads to uh, the Forsling goal, and, you know, not bang, bang, but, you know, turn the puck over at the blue line, and and they get to work. Um, So, yeah, the disappointing part is I think a good sum for the entire game. I think you're right that not only is the first period very good, I thought the third period they were downright dominant and like they probably sandwiched uh, that disappointing, baffling, bamboozling mm. second period with like sandwich. like arguably their two best periods of the of this postseason from a purely like process and yeah. uh, dominance standpoint. Like like Not how quite a shark sandwich. But yeah, yeah, the Panthers were just like hemmed in their own end for forty minutes of that game. And, uh-huh. and yeah, we're gonna talk a lot about Bobrovsky. That's that's kind of the story. If the Panthers score their goals in a fashion that isn't just like the Leafs handing it to them, coming off a series where. You know, we talked about it a bunch. The Panthers made their bones against the Bruins by capitalizing on mistakes really, really quickly. So can I do two things here? You can do as many things as you want. Here's here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to talk about the fact that, yeah, Maple Leafs have run into a hot goalie who's playing his best, best two-game stretch of his career, arguably, in these first two games of the series. Certainly his best two as a Florida Panther, uh, Travis Yost uh, coming up with the two-game rolling, like, expected goals versus uh, actual for Bobrovsky's Panthers career, and this is, like, by far the best back-to-back games he's turned in as a Panther, which seems like a big old flip of the bird to the Leafs. Right, and that's that's unassailable. That That is true, but it's, it's not some excuse, right? No. What it can do, what it can do is make you bullish about the possibility of still winning this series if mm-hmm. you're a Leaf fan, down two games to none. But there were real, like, what happened in the second period, th- that was real stuff, mm-hmm. right? Like, that was, and it is now four consecutive games this team has scored exactly two goals in a hockey game, going mm-hmm. back to the hand-wringing we had about what might become an issue in the postseason, goal scoring, not keeping the puck out of your own net. 
And lo and behold, four straight games, including one game where the second goal was scored in overtime. And luckily so. I mean, man, can you envision this as the first round series for the Toronto Maple Leafs after the, the, the 18 years of heartbreak? No. And, and if it had been that in the first round, the kind of aura of Vasilevsky, like mm. I would have thought they were done. Yeah. Now, Bobrovsky, it's been up and down enough in just his general Panthers tenure and in his playoff career that I think you can be at least a little optimistic about like, hey, he's not going to, you know, put up a 950 or, or whatever the number is um, for the entire series. But these games are already banked for Florida, right? Like yep. you, you have to. They're not going to give him back. No. And it, I would say, you know, one of the things we talk about, and this is the same in, in basketball with three-point shooting variants, right? Is like you you can control what shots you give up and the quality of those shots and the volume of those shots you're not really in control of how often they just happen to go in, right? Yeah. Like probably in hockey a little bit more than in basketball with three-point shooting, but like sometimes you're going to get a 60% game hung on you by a three-point shooting team. Like yep. it was the story of Heat Bucks. Mm-hmm. And okay, if you accept that, you don't be nihilistic about it. It's, well, how do you insulate yourself from that happening? How do you make sure if you run into a hot goalie or your goalie has a bad night that you can survive it? You don't and- cough up two horrific turnovers to start the second period. How about that, Blake? Yeah. So that's that's it, right? Like you can talk about some of the process being good, but again, I think in an overall perspective like if you take the eight playoff games that the Toronto Maple Leafs have played and the six against the Tampa Bay Lightning you take it all into perspective I think in an overall sense the Maple Leafs have been lucky right like they are lucky that the Lightning I mean, series yeah I think they have the exact record through eight games that they deserve fine. to have which is four and four fine and it's and it's yeah I think it was very fortuitous that maybe the bounces went your way in that 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 curse breaking series against the Lightning whatever besides the point you looked so dominant in that opening 20 minutes I'm going to do the thing where I'm going to 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 try and get into the heads of the Toronto Maple Leafs just from what I saw, Ooh. right? You were so dominant, and the offense was coming so easily to you, despite the fact that you only scored twice and one was on the power play in the first period, that coming into that second period, it was like, all right, here we go. Let's put up eight in this game because, hey, game two against the Lightning, that's what happened. We scored seven. This team's way worse than the Lightning. That's a fact, by the way. Uh, this team is way worse than the Tampa Bay Lightning. Came out of the gates Austin Matthews is what trying to flip a puck over a defender. Like, what does that play even look like? Like, I, I guess it's the highlight reel of the season. But if he pulls also, it off, it's also like, first of all, it's not because we we actually. So <laughs> someone asked us on Twitter during yesterday's show about the Wander Franco flip to like the self flip for the the throw to first base at shortstop and asked if it, like what what do we name it? Yeah. And I said, it doesn't get a name. Like yeah. it's not a high enough impact play. It's just like a thing that happened. And it only happened once. And Matthews is going for that. Like something, yeah. it's not even cool <laughs> enough that you give it a name, but it's also like really contrary to where Matthews has thrived as a transitional player and where the Leafs have their advantages against Florida as a transitional team. Like it's just, and not it's counter the, to the way they played all postseason. That's why it's baffling. That's why it's baffling to Sheldon Keith. That's why it's baffling to me that this and team like Austin has not Matthews, played that way. And Austin Matthews, obviously great goal scoring first round, even the times, like if you look at his playoff career, if you look at whatever, like he he'll have ups and downs, but he's very rarely not still a really smart and defensively sound player. Like that's mm-hmm. a pretty uncharacteristic Matthews moment, given everything, even the, even if you want to pull the most negative of playoff performances from over the years, it's not stuff like that. It's just the, you know, the lack of finishing. Sure. That's something you could point to in, in the team's history, but it hasn't generally been, well, we're just going to 
you know, kind of punt the ball back to you and you block the punt or yeah. the puck rather. Yeah, no, it was Mixing my sports metaphors too much. <laughs> it was too many. Um, that was horrific. It, it was an awful, awful point in the hockey game. The hockey game was not over at that point. Um, it was still a one goal game and you couldn't find the equalizer. You hit it, what, like five posts throughout the course of the DeMaris game. had two, two posts down the stretch. Yeah, you lost a guy that I didn't expect to be as impactful as he's been since entering the lineup in game yeah. two of the postseason. Do you want to do that now or do you want to come back to that? Because we can do it now. Uh, I, I, yeah, because there's a lot to get to. We only have a 90-minute show today because the, the Blue Jays are starting a three-game series in Pittsburgh against the Pirates, and uh, that uh, that game's starting at 6.30 uh, tonight on Sportsnet 1 and Sportsnet 590, the fans. So Sam Bennett was fined five large. Not for concussing Matthew Nyes, who's out at least the next two games, but he has a concussion. It, it's hard to envision him returning for this series, despite the fact that he did return in the hockey game for for his shift. Uh, and then post-fact uh, diagnosed with a concussion. Sam Bennett, not fine for that play. He's fine for one of the two cross-checks uh, to Michael Bunting, I assume it was the one in the neck. Yeah, I mean, okay. Well, do you are you trying to find him for the one that's really dangerous right here, or the one that's really dangerous right here? Like <laughs> neck seems like yeah, more, like that. You need your neck. I, I guess you also need your back, but, but neck I, feels like more sensitive it, area. It does, but also the back was the second shot. Like he did the neck one, yeah. and then was like. Not enough. No. And drilled him in the small of the pack as well. Yeah. Well, because he realized that the, the penalty, I don't think the penalty was called on the initial cross check, right? Because he was like, oh, this is Michael Bunting. We get free reign against this guy. And that that appears to be the logic there. And Paul Maurice making the comment after the game. Holy that cow, like they enough think- of it has gone against us. Yeah, look, man, you can do all the <laughs> Wakanda forever <laughs> counting that you want to do. But like... You, that does not give you free reign to con- like drive people's head into the ice. Like, no, nope. like this. This is not a case of legislating uh, a bang bang hit or you know was the guy's head down a little too long? Had the puck on? Like, there is nothing about this except for that that was away from the play. And he, Sam Bennett tried to injure him. Like, there's no, like, he had Matthew Nyes' leg wrapped around his leg. Yeah. Um, like, he had the, he had that synced in. It's very good Brazilian jiu-jitsu technique. Yeah. And then just smashed his head into, into the ice. Like, and not a, I mean, in no ways is that a hockey play. But it also, like, wasn't even, like, the play was gone. And not, he had already successfully yeah. taken Nyes out of the play with the check. And then, so, I don't know. I, I have... I know he got fined for the cross check, and that cross check is is obviously a really bad one. It's something that Austin Matthews got two games for for almost the exact same, like a very similar thing against Rossman's Dahlin. Um, so Sam Bennett being a repeat offender and not getting anything but a fine for something that we have precedent in his two games for. I just I have quit trying to figure out player safety. Well, like if the the bunting thing with no prior suspensions is three games and yes it was worthy of the suspension but bennett who has a history of suspensions does multiple things in the same game that we've seen guys yeah. get suspended for in the past and he gets a, like i just i can't even begin to try to figure Dude. out like i did yesterday when lafferty came in yeah and i was like maybe it's this maybe it's this maybe it's this. i can't even begin to do that with the department of player safety because there appears to be no rhyme or reason to it by the way sam lafferty i mean actually popped and it's it was a key part of that first goal bringing loves the, yeah. his fourth liners the pop yeah <laughs> so i i here's i'm gonna try i'm gonna do my best to try and figure out the department of player safety 
I, I don't know if I can necessarily. Um, Do you want to use your Sharpie and draw a fake mustache on there and get your uh, your Harvard degree out? So or here's, what? here's what's supposed to play into these decisions, right? It is, one, is there an injury? Two, was there an on-ice adjudication that, you know, that there was an acknowledgement of something untoward happening? And there was a, a physical penalty called on the cross-check to the net. I get, uh, sorry, I think it was actually the cross-check to the back that got called uh, against Michael Bunting. So I guess if you if you put on your uh, Department of Player Safety colored glasses, you can say, okay, at least there was something done in that moment. But if again, if we're using the same rules, was anything done in the moment by the officials on the ice? And two, was there an injury? How are we not looking at the Matthew Nyes play and saying, this guy, I mean... Eric Chernak, you, you played a whole series against and, the Lightning without ear. Uh, and, and we heard that Chernak's injury was a part of, of course. what goes into the decision-making process on the supplemental discipline. And I don't think necessarily it's it's apples to apples where it's like three games, but maybe maybe it is. The but thing, <laughs> the thing certainly that won. gets me is like, like it's the repeat offender thing. Like, yeah. How do you tell us that that's such an important factor in all these things, and it's such an important factor when yeah. guys don't get disciplined? And not then for re- Michael Bunting, though. And then a repeat offender. Like it's just it's all over the place, and it's not like I don't want this to sound like oh whoa the Leafs the the Department of Player Safety does it like because Matthews got suspended for yeah. a similar thing and Bunty got suspended and Nye's the one hurt here. It is a really bad thing league wide. Like yeah. this makes the league look ridiculous. Mm. And. <laughs> And, and to, it, it's not unique to this series either. Like, it's no. been happening throughout the playoffs. And Andrew Congliano, yeah, broke his neck. Uh, and there's no call and no supplemental discipline. Um, last thing on this, though, I will say that it is shocking how Matthew Nyes' uh, removal from this series impacts the way I, I, I think the, this Leafs team, like, its ability to win it. And I know they, they created lots of offense without him, but boy... When you when we talk about hey moving Ryan O'Reilly into that that third line center role and and being able to roll three lines that can ideally cave in the Panthers offensively, it's because Nyes is creating offense on that Ryan O'Reilly mm-hmm. line and and Ryan O'Reilly scores in the power play and and he's been great and th- there's lots of things that he does and winning faceoffs and and he has scored a, a big goal at the end of of regulation in in game uh, four against the the Lightning. I get it. He's not carrying a line for 60 minutes. He's not Mr. Conn Smythe creating offense for himself. Matthew Nyes is, has been, like, shockingly so, and that's a massive loss. Like, Nyes has been, what, probably their fourth best forward, maybe their third best forward in the playoffs at times? Also, not not shocking that, uh, as we talked before the game, that uh, William Nylander uh, popped in a big way yesterday. Yeah, uh, I know we've got the audio on that. We'll come in with it uh, before we talk to David Amber, but but Sheldon Keefe, very complimentary of William Nylander, especially in the third period. And, yeah, I, I, I know it's not realistic to be the absolute best version of yourself every single time out. We did the Anthony Davis thing the other day, and then he was borderline invisible last night in a bad Lakers. So I was like, even at the highest levels of the sport, it's hard to be that guy every time. But, man, wouldn't it be very, very cool to see that version of William Nylander with more regularity um, because he was awesome in that game. Now, the question that flows from the Matthew Nyes injury on top of what do you do with the lines is like, what do you do with the forward depth? Because yeah. you don't like you can have Zach Aston Reese draw back in and, and you can go back to that Aston Reese camp uh, Lafferty fourth line and move Kerfoot back up into a top nine role. But I think given, I mean, you, La- you can't create offense in three lines anymore. Like that's you, over. You it's can't. done. You can't. It, so it's so over, what do you like, do? That, you, that seems extreme, but the, the idea of three 
lines that have the ability that are going to put offensive pressure on the Panthers in this series, the removal of Nyes eliminates and that. And it's not that extreme because, like, we saw Sheldon Keefe basically concede that midway through the game. Like, they lost Nyes, and, and I don't know if heading into the second period they knew he was out for the game for sure. Like, I was watching out with friends, so I didn't, didn't quite catch when the update came down. Mm-hmm. Um, it was in the third period. Okay, so at a certain point... He shifted the lines to, okay, we're going to reunite. Well, Matthews, Marner, Bunting played most of that game together yeah. anyway, but he went to Tavares, Nylander, O'Reilly. And that seemed like you're saying uh, not to be extreme. It seemed like Sheldon Keefe realized that as well and tried his best to load up two lines. Now, that Tavares, Nylander, O'Reilly line did not have a lot of success in the few minutes that they mm. that they played. It's not a... There were a couple a, of times O'Reilly's line got skipped altogether when they removed... Like the, the, mm-hmm. People are pointing at the fourth, fourth line being on the ice in the dying minutes. It was, hey... He, he trusted that fourth line to create offense more than than a line where it's Ryan O'Reilly on his own. And now here's here's where I actually think the way this is going to shake out is obviously game three on Sunday is, you know, not mathematically a must win, but it's as close to a must win as you can get down to oh, right in a, in a hockey series. You want to you want to know my what my warp brain is thinking yeah. about Sunday and the three oh deficit that this there, there have been moments over the well, the past six postseasons seven, I guess, um, where I thought, man, things were so dire, but you have to go through the, this direness. This this team, with its history, not just winning first-round series, but winning Stanley Cup in 1967, you have to do something akin to the 2004 Red Sox to do it. There is a part of me that sure. thinks you go down 3-0, and no, it's, you know it's what, definitely is, more common in hockey than it is in any of the other this sports. This is that silly tweet of, I asked my landlord to raise my rent. That's how much I believe in my grind. <laughs> like, you're, you're overthinking it here. Um, but what I think is going to happen, we're, we're going through these iterations of, you know, what could a third line look like? Do you bring the old fourth line back? I actually think there's a really good case to go 11-7 and seven at this point because yeah. what we've seen the last couple games is as the game's gone on, Sheldon Keefe, rightfully so, leans on his top guys even more. I think in a in a dire situation like Sunday, coming off of two days off and with two days off after, that's the game to, if you need to run Matthews and Marner and those guys 25, 26, 27 minutes, yeah. like that, if you are ever going to do it, Sunday is the time, one game in five days and, and you're your playoff life on the line, 11 and seven gives you a little more, you know, not freedom to do that. You can do that even with 12 out there, but you know, does Zach Aston Reese have much of a role in that game? Given the way your bottom six now looks like maybe, but I think I'd rather have the specialist as a seventh defender, whether it's Justin Hall, um, you know, on the penalty kill or Eric Gustafson for, you know, the PP two. Mm-hmm. however you like, especially given how physical Florida has been and, and the fact that the Leafs haven't converted a ton on the power play, having that second power play quarterback available to you, maybe that's something they look at. Um, but it's, it's just hard to see a scenario given how these two games have gone where, Oh, a reunited fourth line that couldn't do much against Boston suddenly has a big impact in this series where that hasn't really been, the problem they got to get the I don't know I, so I I don't know what they do with the the top six and where Ryan O'Reilly is like maybe you just kind of have a a bottom five that is just roll three guys out there I don't know but it doesn't it doesn't look great and on top of which Kyle Yonkrock hasn't been no he's like, been nothing he's and like I know some of his lines have performed well but like no he's been a I don't think they've been anything to do with him like I was so I was optimistic about what that could look like when bunting was going to miss a couple games. Jan Krux had a good year. He's fit in well on that. It's he hasn't really found his spot in this series. And I think he's back down on the bottom six now too. If you, well, I mean, not if, if they do 
the loaded second line, he is down in the bottom six. And then yeah. your bottom six is just, I don't know, it kind of has an identity, but it doesn't really matter which three you roll out there, I don't think. Three would be a, a nice number to score uh, as far as goals. I would take Maple more Leafs. than three. <laughs> but honestly, three would feel like a breakthrough because it would. Again, four consecutive postseason games this Leafs team has played, only scoring two goals. At least they they broke their goose egg on the power play yesterday. Um, they're going to need Sergei Bobrovsky to return to to form, though, I think, uh, to get a real good shot yeah. of winning this series. Uh, game not, three is Sunday, 6.30. Yeah, it's not... It's not my favorite when this happens, when a goalie does this. You know what the high danger chances are in this series, by the way? A zillion to not a zillion? 36 to 19. Yeah. Yeah, so that's it. So you can talk about process, and, like, there are a lot of things that are happening offensively that should be rewarded more than they have been over Mm -hmm. these two games. But that being said, you could have won that hockey game 2-1. to You could have. It was right there. I mean... even, okay, you give yourself, you can have one mistake in a game. Mm-hmm. Like, don't, like, the fact that they came bang, bang mm-hmm. from two of your best players. Yeah, they could have won 3-2 in overtime. They could have, they could still be playing right yeah. now. Who knows? <laughs> I, the amount of pounds of chicken wings deep I would have been if that game went to several overtime. Because I just, I, it's not like I would have run home at an intermission, right? No. I just would have been continuing to eat. My poor children would have wondered where their father was, but that's okay, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah, you were at the game last night. Yeah. Um, how was that element of it? Because you hadn't been to a playoff one yet. Right? No, I honestly, I had not been in that building in forever, and I've, I've covered Leaf games, I've covered Raptors games, but it's been a, it's been a long time since I did that, and obviously this show doesn't allow us to, to get too many games when it ends at, at 7 o'clock, so it's kind of a rarity that i uh, done at 6 o'clock on a game day. Um, yeah, I ate lots of pizza. I, I went into it thinking, hey, I'm just going to have a slice of the free pizza. I ate like five slices uh, and then followed that up with an ice cream sandwich and then a bag of popcorn on, on my way out. So I, I, I did was, well. I was more asking about like <laughs> no, no, being no. at the hockey yeah, game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That um, was cool too. But uh, no, great that you I fed my gained fat face. like eight pounds. <laughs> yeah, good for you. I mean, look, I was out eating chicken wings all night, mm-hmm. so uh, I'm, I'm right there with you. No, it was good to like uh, bother people um, that we usually bother by asking them to come on the show it was nice to bother them in person like i was like t- talking to luke fox for a while and he's like you could tell he's like hey can i go back to doing my work and i was like yeah not yet i have some more inane stuff to talk about so that yeah. was good yeah that's great you know what else was good about the leaf game being on yesterday even though we weren't very happy about that leaf game what i didn't have to be as locked into the blue jays game. yeah no that was i saw i, I was uh i took the subway down from <laughs> from uh, the studio yesterday uh, to get to, to Scotiabank Arena and then, you know, sitting down and uh, hadn't checked the Blue Jays game. And I did check it and I texted you uh, with, a, there was a lot of ex- exclamation points uh, as Kevin Gossman didn't do the thing that we talked about him needing to do if he was a bona fide ace and lock it down, end the losing streak. No, he, he just added to it. Uh, he was awful, 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 awful. By the way, um, I'm the new Bill James. Like Bill James, he had his moment mm-hmm. and like now it's it's me. Um, we talked it over, and I guess maybe we can change the parameters a little bit, but I invented a stat. It's called debilitating start. So it's like the counter to quality starts, where a quality start is not great, but it's you know it gives your team a chance to win a baseball game if you go six, giving up three earned runs or fewer. Debilitating start, you, you put your team behind the eight ball, and it's like almost impossible for your team to win those baseball games. We came up with going fewer than five innings, giving up at least four earned runs. And uh, lo and behold... The uh, Toronto Blue Jays are fourth in Major League Baseball in uh, DSs. 
this season, and Kevin Gossman and Alec Manoa have already combined for more debilitating starts this season than they did all of last year, Blake. Yeah, and the Jays as a team only had 22 last year. Most of those were Jose Brios and Yusei Kikuchi. Uh, they're already at eight, and if you are more than a third of your way Yikes. to your allotted, uh, what are you calling them? Debilitating, debilitating starts. starts. Yeah, you're more than a third of the way to your debilitating starts allotment uh, a month into a six-month season. That is uh, not great. No, that, it's that 22, by the way, last year for context, because it's a brand new stat that nobody yeah. we will we'll eventually have debilitating starts plus. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, last year, 22 was uh, right around the, the middle of the league. Okay. For the Blue Jays. So Which is, as bad as it seemed at times, 22 times where your, your guy doesn't give you five innings and gets hit around a little bit is uh, that's once once every eight games. Yeah, it's not that crazy a number uh they've been much worse this year which is shocking because it felt like this was such a a, a feast or famine well, team uh, with the starting pitching last year yeah. and i don't i don't want to yeah i do want to do it a little bit what so la- before this time through the rotation i believe is on monday show mm-hmm. you had put me in a or no it might have been friday show you had questioned whether this could be the best rotation baseball or like pushed, you know, what is the upside was the upside. And, but and it, I had to be a bit of a wet blanket of like, it's only two times through the rotation. Like, yeah. like there's still only at that point, I think they had gotten back up to like league average and starters ERA and stuff. Okay. Things, things change really, really quickly oh, so, as the so bullpen has are you, also you're dunking on me. No, I'm just saying that we need to, as much as we, as much as I preached patience with, the the results when things are going well. Uh-huh. We also need to preach patience when the results aren't going oh, their way. I, I agree with that. I would say though that the ceiling still remains super high with this rotation because as much as they're what fourth in DSs, they're tied for second in QSs, right? Like it's so just yeah. be normal. Be a normal baseball yeah. team. What is the middle of the alphabet between D and Q? Yeah. Like are we looking for like a <laughs> HS? Right. Honestly. So that's the thing that there is yeah, Kevin Gossman, who notably tied Jose Barrios in quality starts a season ago, he has the ability to be absolutely lights out. I wonder if his Cy Young candidacy is now over after giving up a couple of starts where he gave up at least seven earned runs and eight yesterday. But yeah, just just give this team, which has an offense that's certainly capable of scoring, a chance to score. And we, we are also going over the numbers for for teams that have um, scored at least five runs and, mm-hmm. and how many games the, the Blue Jays have lost, and that was among the league leaders. What are yeah. they, after they have six losses when scoring at least five uh, runs. They're 11-6 and six this season. Mm-hmm. And 11-6 and six is obviously a winning record, but around the league, teams win about 80% of the time. Yeah, because five runs is five, a lot. Five or more runs. Um, even last year, like the Jays won more than three-quarters of their games yeah. in those situations. 11-6 and six is a mark that only one team was worse than for the entire year last year. That's horrific. And it, it was the Colorado is. Rockies. Yeah, that's awful. Which, like, I don't know. The Colorado Rockies score five runs accidentally by way of, <laughs> like, if anyone gave you look at the over-unders for each game. It's like, oh, nine and a half, nine and a half, ten and a half. Oh, 13 and a half. Must be a Rockies game. <laughs> uh, that's just the way it is. So, yeah, there's a real feeling of, first of all, this offense hasn't been as good as, you know, maybe hope for. They're 10th in the league in weighted runs created plus, which right. kind of puts everything Vlad's on the starting to hit home runs now, though. Yeah, and but they're 11th in runs per game. Yep. That's not quite where we expected them to be. So when you also see that when they are scoring runs, they're not taking full advantage of it, that's a, a troubling 
combination. Some of that is the starting pitching. Some of it is the bullpen, which is now. Yeah, it's a Zach Pop. Uh, now, as Zach Pop has been officially put yes. on the IL, Jay Jackson uh, recalled from AAA. Ricky Tiedemann, they, they called it, what, a bicep strain? Mm-hmm. Or he had bicep soreness? Yeah, soreness is all they're calling it right now. Okay, and he'll have an MRI, what, tomorrow, sometime soon? Um, yeah, see, I believe he, he's set for an MRI tomorrow, was the reporting. Yeah, I mean, guys like you and I, we, we know what having swollen biceps yeah, is like. It's, uh, totally. it's an affliction for, yeah. for dudes like us. Yeah, so hopefully he's, uh, he's better soon. Yeah, and as we discussed uh, earlier, it's better than an elbow and better than a shoulder. It's actually like as far away from both as, as you could possibly get, so it's, it's not bad. If yeah. you're going to have an arm injury, might as well have it uh, be a biceps. But yeah, as far as it, it always being darkest before the dawn, First uh, four-game sweep um, since the infamous four-gamer in Seattle to the Mariners, which basically spelt the demise of Charlie Montoyo at that point in the season. Blue Jays had lost 9-10. and 10. There were 45-42. and 42. Uh, They managed to salvage it, right? They won 92 games. So, yeah, obviously no, nobody's talking about the season going underwater, but... It's it's a situation where all of a sudden you are now fourth in the American League East and you're only a half game up on that Yankees mm-hmm. team that people were dunking on because they were dead last in in the division. It's uh it's amazing how quickly the narrative changes after that 5 and 1 homestand. Especially like you you also have to look at a little bit with things like the Yankees and um to a lesser extent the Red Sox like the Jays have been fairly fortunate on the injury front too and these other teams yeah. like if we assume and this, the yankees this IL, isn't fair goodness. because the yankees are older yeah. and had a lot of guys That's with injury true. red tape to begin with but if we assume like this stuff tends to even out over the course of the year the yankees might be like yeah we're getting our injuries out of the way now mm-hmm. um whereas the jays you know have a an adam simber rhomboid and a, a zach pop hamstring and mm-hmm. and otherwise have been all right and now they're in pittsburgh where uh until the Cubs won today, the NL Central had lost a combined 16 games in a row as wow. a division. Uh, <laughs> yeah, the, the Pirates um, might be finding their level after being swept by the Tampa Bay Rays. 20 and 12, though. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see uh, Dick Mountain on the hill today. Rich Hill. Uh, getting the start for what? You get, yeah. This is a children's show. This is a PG-13. Unbelievable. Rich Hill against Chris Bassett in game one uh, tonight. We'll... Uh, we'll, we'll uh, get you set for that uh, with Caitlin McGrath after 6 o'clock. But when we come back, we'll talk to a guy who knows a oh. thing or two about bicep soreness. Yeah. David Amber, Hockey Night in Canada. As the fan drive time continues, Ben Annis, Blake Murphy, Sportsnet 590, The Fan, and Sportsnet 360. Unrivaled insight, analysis, and opinions on all things Blue Jays. Blair and Barker. Be sure to subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Well, in the third period, William was the was a dominant player. He was the best player on the ice for either team by a mile. I thought uh, really took control of the game and was you know created a number of looks for he and his line mates. Uh, obviously, was unable to get it to go over the line for us. That that is the next step and obviously the ultimate goal. But the way that William took charge of the game in the third period is, is obviously shows what he's capable of doing and what we need more of. Yeah, the ultimate goal is scoring goals, uh, like more than two, which the Maple Leafs have been unable to do in four consecutive postseason games. That, of course, was Sheldon Keith. This is the fan drive time. Sportsnet 590, the fan. Sportsnet 360, Ben Ennis, Blake Murphy. 
Let's talk to David Amber of Hockey Night in Canada. David, thanks for this. Will the uh, Maple Leafs ever score three goals in a hockey game ever again? <laughs> I love the measured approach. Uh, ben Blake, thanks for having me on. Uh, well, I'm glad you hit that, though, because there's this whole narrative, oh, Sam Bennett should be suspended. I know that. Oh, we're going to get to that. Yeah, but I'm glad we're not starting there, I'll tell you that much, <laughs> because you, you hit the narrative right on the head. I mean, these are guys paid to be scored. You're not paid for chances. You're not paid for Corsi. You're not paid for possession and ozone time and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You're paid to put the puck in the net. And for lack of a better way of putting it, um, you know, it's nice to hear Sheldon Keefe has it has – Nylander's back or Mitch Marner's back or whoever. But at the end of the day, as you said, two goals in the last four games isn't going to cut it. Um, Bobrovsky's played really well. Give him full credit. But, you know, I think the, the game plan going down to South Florida has got to be to make life much more difficult for him. Bodies, pucks, etc. Get in his way. Get under his skin. You see that with other teams. I mean, Joe Pavelski is a perfect example of that, right? He just gets his stick in front of everything, and he's making a difference. Zach Hyman, when he's on his best for Edmonton, he's in the goalie's crease right around the crease. He's causing problems. You know, someone's got to do that for Toronto. Someone has to be that guy, and uh, that it's incumbent on them because two goals, it looks like, it's not going to get it done in this series. And I know that that's something that they're capable of because that's how they got the bulk of their scoring against Tampa Bay. That's how they turned the series around was getting mm-hmm. more bodies in front of, of Vasilevsky. And, yeah, taking some lower percentage shots from, from outside, but knowing that those scrambles in front of the net are so important. Um now, at times in the, in the first two games of the series, it's looked like Toronto still thought they were playing Tampa Bay, you know, changing to the, the speed and the style of Florida. But why do you think they've gone away from, from that, you know, uh, instinct to get deep in front of that? Is it something with the way Florida kind of gives them the outside and lets guys like Marner and Riley have space to, to stick handle and take those wrist shots? Like what what is kind of baiting Toronto into their more net avoidant habits, do you think? Yeah, you know what, Blake, that's a, that's a great question, and I think the best way to put it would be I, I think the style changed dramatically. Against Tampa, they had to fight for every inch of ice, and it was just everything was so plodding. Everything was so, you know, you're in the trenches all the time going up against the guys you're going up against, and suddenly there's some space out there. And to be honest with you, and you heard uh, Sheldon Keith postgame, he, the word he used was baffling about the two neutral zone turnovers that it caused you know, allowed two Florida goals last night. And I think what's happening is the guys are seeing a bit of space and feeling I've got a bit of open ice and I can freewheel and it's a bit more of a track meet. And that doesn't always lend itself to, to scoring goals. It really doesn't, you know. Uh, dirty, nasty goals is what we're seeing in the Stanley Cup playoffs. You know, unless you're the Edmonton Oilers on a five-on-four, on a five-on-three, it, it's, it's going to be played a little bit more nasty style, get rebounds, go to the net hard. We saw that in the Florida-Boston series at both ends of the ice. So I think they maybe have to get back into that mindset. And look, the Leafs were the better team last night. They made two pretty horrible mistakes. Two of their best players made two horrible mistakes, and it ended up in their net. And, and certainly the second goal, you know, Samsonov would want that Barkov goal back. I get that. And the other goalie played great, but the Leafs were the better team. Um, but I think they've got to now rise up. And one thing I'll say, guys, is I do feel they'll be more comfortable on the road, not just because they're one and four at home and three and all on the road. Yeah. But I think that, uh, essentially, you know, they, I think, play a bit more ease on the road. And you hear that from a lot of teams. It's been the year of the road team in the Stanley Cup playoffs. So maybe the switch of venues, uh, will lend itself to a bit of a better result come come game three and game four. Yeah, the road team thing is out of control. Like I, <laughs> I guess it's just like a weirdo uh, postseason that we're we're getting here. But um, it's it's yeah, 
I don't I, I don't know what to do with it. Um, because you play 82 regular season games to have home ice advantage, and mm-hmm. it, it's it's not working out for for anybody. But I do, I, I want to go back to what you said about the the Maple Leafs controlling the the run of play and looking like the better team, probably in, in the majority of of both games game games one and game two. What do we do with that, David? Because they they didn't look like the better team in in uh, a few of the games against the Lightning and and one in six games. Is that just like water finding its level and and the breaks evening out? Um, what what do we do with the information that the Toronto Maple Leafs have looked pretty good for the majority of the first two games of this this series, despite being down 0-2? Well, I mean, is there any position in all of sport more important than your goaltender? I mean, you can certainly make the case quarterback or starting pitching or whatever, but. You know, we saw that. Samsonov was fantastic in some of those battles against Tampa under siege and allowed the Leafs to stay close and in the game. And Bobrovsky was exceptional. Uh, in games. In game one, he was very good. And in game two, he was exceptional. So you heard Maurice postgame say, you know, we need a goalie to steal a game every series. And tonight we had the game stolen, essentially. So uh, I don't think there's much to make of it. I think if you're the Leafs, you don't go and you burn the whole house down to try and fix things because I don't mm-hmm. think they're in that stage yet, Ben. But I, but I do think they need, you know, very first thing, I think all of us agreed on is they've got to make life a little bit tougher on Bobrovsky. You don't say, oh, he's, he's in the zone. He's a two-time Vesna winner. Oh, we're in trouble. I think you say, okay, how can we get in his head, get in his space, bother him? And whether that's a, a, a tweak in the a, a lineup a little bit or if that's just a much more concerted effort to go deep to the net, put pucks on net and get as close to Bobrovsky, stand on that line like Sam Bennett did last night. And if you have to step a little bit over that line and on even take the a two-minute penalty here or there, you do that. But I, I think that's got to be the, the game plan. Yeah, on the line. That guy was way over the line. <laughs> Sam Bennett should be well, in prison. Obviously, he was $5,000 over the line. He was fined go. for the exact amount, and he was over the line, and he was no more or less over the line than that, apparently. <laughs> so, How is he going to live without that $5,000, guys? I'm worried for him. Are we going to get a GoFundMe page going? <laughs> Not in this city. Um, <laughs> yeah, so I know you didn't want to start the conversation here, but we had to go here, David, because mm-hmm. this is... This is the Sam Bennett thing, and he did get fined for, I guess, the second cross-check, the one he was... Or maybe, actually, maybe it was the first cross-check because he wasn't penalized for the one to the neck, just the one to the back. So maybe that's where the five grand goes, but not for the old suplex on uh, Matthew Nyes, who's now concussed and maybe out for the, for the rest of the series. I, I'm going to make you give your opinion on, on what you think about no supplemental discipline, no penalty on the play, and a guy who's all of a sudden turned into a huge difference maker on the ice for every single overtime goal that this hockey team has scored on the ice for the equalizer at the end of, of game four, uh, coming back from from three goals down, um, and he's maybe lost for the, the whole series. What do you make of Sam Bennett receiving nothing for that, not just in the game but afterwards? Well, for starters, I'm really sorry as a hockey fan um, to see what happened to Matthew Nyes because I think it's one, of, it's one of the great stories, quite frankly. This kid three weeks ago was playing in a Frozen Four in college, and here he is making a difference, being an impact player in the Stanley Cup playoffs for a franchise with the biggest and most you know, crazed fan base there is. So I'm sorry to see that his, it looks like, obviously the next couple of games and possibly the series is done for him, which is horrible. Um, at the same time, I think... We basically saw Sam Bennett at his most effective. He is a scoring threat. He's a physical threat. He's a force on the ice, and he's sneaky good at it. What I didn't like about the takedown of knives, there was a few things, but what I didn't like the most about it was uh, 
to me, it looked like a little bit of a rabbit punch to the back of his head as he's dragging him down a little bit. It looked like he kind of just got one of those bodies in motion, you know, quick uh, rabbit shots to him. Um, do I think he deserved to be punished, uh, suspended? No, I, I, I really don't, actually. I think, you know, I, I think the, um, the result, what happened in Knives, wasn't necessarily commensurate to the, the, the situation, and it, it's a bit unfortunate um, that it, it turned out that way. I, I don't, I don't look at it and go, man, he should be given a game or two or three. I think some things are way more egregious, way more above the line. What we saw Michael Bunting do in, in game, what was it, game two of the of the Lightning series? Game one, right? Game one of the Lightning series. You're right. Um, I, I thought I understood that there would be uh, disciplinary push, punishment there. I, I didn't see what Bennett did yesterday as that, and that might not sit well with some of the listeners or Leaf Nation, but I, I'm just being honest about how, how I viewed it. Um, do I think he deserved the $5,000 fine? Sure. And do I think he'll be, they'll be on sort of high alert about him moving forward? Absolutely. Um, you know, I, I don't know what else there is to say about it. I think if the Leafs get too caught up in that narrative, then that's not going to, you know, really serve them well moving forward. So I, I, I think Bennett has, you know, it's so funny. He drove people nuts in Calgary because at times he's one of the most effective players. He's, he's a, a, a legitimate power forward, but often he goes missing for games and weeks at a time. And then he went down to South Florida and right away he was impactful. And we're seeing now, even though he had a fairly quiet regular season, he can be a very impactful player and the sort of player you have to be aware about on the ice. So that's the Sam Bennett side of it. And you're right. The Leafs can't get dragged down in it. Um, it, it, it has happened and the discipline didn't come, but they're going to mm-hmm. have to play games three and four and maybe the rest of the series without Matthew Nyes. And that's mm-hmm. something they're going to have to uh, figure out. It looked like they were reaching and scrambling a little bit yesterday. They eventually unlocked something in the third period where they were very, very dominant and, you know, not entirely just rolling two lines, but leaning a little more heavily uh, on those top lines. What do you think the move is for the Leafs from here um, without Matthew Nyes, who had kind of been, you know, a fixture in the top six the last little while here uh, suddenly the forward depth especially with the way some of the fourth liners have played throughout the playoffs no longer looks like as significant uh, of a strength especially compared to Florida so are you you know are you looking at loading up the two lines here and trying to match the the top match at the top rather with Florida are you trying to figure out something a little different with a third line to still have that balance what does the Nyes fallout look like from a, a Maple Leaf standpoint well, for starters, I'd like to see Toronto get a little bit more into the trenches like they were against Tampa. And I think because they just stared at the personnel on Tampa and saw Perry, Maroon, Belmar, <laughs> uh, Paul, and said, okay, shoot, we know what kind of series it's going to be. They're looking across at Florida, and maybe it's not as obvious to them that that might serve them well. And it's been a track meet, like I said, for the two games. Florida has speed. Florida has a tenacious forecheck. check. Florida has a lot of great players up front. Do they necessarily want to go into the trenches and, and play a little bit more that style, muck it up? I think the Leafs, I think what Kyle Dubas did essentially near the trade deadline was add guys who are very willing to play that style, the Acharis, the Lafferty's, you know, Aston Reese coming over in the offseason, uh, et cetera. Um, and you have Bunting. They have guys who are willing to muck it up a little bit. I don't think that would serve them. I, I think that could serve them well. Um, having that balance between these sort of white collar guys who like to play a little bit more run and gun and, and and stylistically, the, the Marners, et cetera, but also having guys who are willing to go into the trenches. And we saw in the first round when Austin Matthews, when these guys were leaned on, you saw Stamkos challenge Matthews, the guys were up to the challenge. They did not accept, you know, being pushed around. They pushed back. So I, I think stylistically, I don't know if they're going to go 11 and 7 
I think one thing you can factor in, guys, is they have two days off between games three, two and three, and two days off between games three and four. And as much as that serves Bobrovsky well, which it does, you know what? It serves the Leafs top forwards well. Matthews played 25-plus minutes. Marner played 24-plus mm-hmm. minutes. If you want to run these guys into the ground, you have the ability to do that and to have them have as much rest as they need with two days off between games. So if I'm, if I'm Sheldon Keefe, I certainly am going to be running my, my big horses. That's what we're seeing with McDavid and, and Drysaddle. That's what we saw with McKinnon and Rantanen. And they got to let these guys go. But at the end of the day, and we started the conversation this way, these guys have to produce. Yeah. You know, two goals for the last four games, two goals – uh, you know, isn't going to cut it. And and not just that, but it's like, you know, Nylander hasn't scored in six games. Marner's scored in one game so far in the postseason. You need more from these guys at the end of the day. But I would like the blue-collar guys to, to maybe get a little nastier, a little grittier, and, and get a little bit, you know, more Sam Bennett-ish uh, <laughs> moving forward to South Florida. Yeah, maybe on uh, Sam Bennett uh, himself. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, if we were going to take a, a, a positive away from yesterday's game, would it not be that a, a, a day after, well, a game after William Nylander was the target of so much derision, so much uh, critical analysis that he didn't score, but boy, and you heard Sheldon Keefe in, in the clip that we played coming into this segment, um, he created a ton, David. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> Yeah, I look at it two ways, and he, and he was buzzing in game one or game one of the series as well. He deferred a few shots where I would have said, "Wow, I'm surprised he didn't shoot." You know, listen, Bobrovsky made some incredible saves in game one against Matthews. Matthews could have had a hat trick in game one, mm-hmm. and and in game two, Nylander, what he hit the crossbar, he had what yeah. six or seven shots. Like, we could be having a completely different conversation today. Wow, can you believe it, Nylander with a hat trick? Like that could have been the conversation today. So I appreciate what Sheldon Keith is saying. But again, this isn't a chance league. This isn't a Corsi league. This is a goal league. So it's the get it done think, league. Yeah, it is. And I'm not trying to be some hardcore jerk, but at the end of the day, <laughs> like this is sort of, we're at that stage, right? Like we're at this, like Matthew Kachuk is producing, right? Like a top 10 score this year. Yep. Uh, dry settle and McDavid. I don't need to go on about what they're doing. Like, the top guys have to be the top guys. It just has to happen, and um, they have to find a way. And, again, that's why I think we had the, the beginning of this conversation was about making life a bit tougher on Bobrovsky. The narrative right now is, oh, my God, Bobrovsky, two-time Vesna winner. He's found his old form, and that's true and fine. So now it's incumbent on the Leafs to find a way to penetrate that and to make life much more difficult on him, whatever it takes. And, again, teetering on that line, getting in his face, even if you take a two-minute penalty just to get him thinking about it, it's not the end of the world. I actually think there's value sometimes in that. So I'm, I'm interested to see the pushback. This series isn't over, guys. It really isn't. Nope. Uh, but Sunday, you know, it's not a must-win on paper, mm. but let's, you know, we, we know the history of going down 3 nothing in a series, and, and they've got to push back, and, and I'd like to see that, and I think the personnel has been put in place by Kyle Dubas to push back uh, in Game 3 in, in a very tough hole now. Yep, uh, nothing like Sunday night hockey, uh, which will be coming <laughs> your way at six thirty. Yeah, you can blame you can blame Florida for that. That wasn't a sports net thing. I can guarantee you that. Oh yeah, no, I I I, I gathered that much. But yeah, what I what I heard uh, attending the game yesterday, there was some indication that maybe it's uh, Panthers ownership didn't exactly want to go head to head against the Miami Heat. So yeah, maybe that had some sway there. Yeah. I'd like to think at 30 years in your franchise existence, you have 18,000 devoted fans for the second round of the playoffs dedicated exclusively to you and not worried about going down to see a heat game. Yeah. Um, but hey, that's just, that's just me, wishful thinking. All right. Well, uh, we'll be watching on Sunday instead. Uh, David, thanks as always.
I appreciate it, guys. Have a great weekend. All right, you too. David Amber, Hockey Night in Canada. Not trying to be a hardcore jerk. Um, I I looked it up, and yeah, there is there's ample room for Sam Bennett at the Supermax uh, prison facility in uh, Colorado. If, yeah. if, in fact, the National Hockey League wants to go that route. Yeah, I'm, I don't want to get into all the politics of uh, the prison industrial complex in general. Please don't. Um, it's just, it's yeah, just a joke. We, it's just a joke. Yeah, we save that stuff for only the absolute of worst offenders. Uh, George Peros. <laughs> That's it. Everyone else, we need to rethink the system. Those guys, uh, yeah. Uh, what, what is it Bunkus always uses? Moon jail? Moon jail is yeah, a good it's one. Worse, it's worse than regular jail because yeah. even if you broke out, you can't get back. Where are you going to go? You're on the moon. Yeah. Uh, and I guess maybe the moon ends up like Australia. Uh, but yeah, though that's in generations afterwards. Anyways, besides the point. Uh, <laughs> I would say, what is the point, by the way? Oh, yeah, the point is... your point, not mine. <laughs> the point is, okay, you can talk about a, a goaltender playing some good hockey, which is certainly happening. There is just no debate... Sergei Bobrovsky has outplayed Ilya Samsonov through two games of this series. Not so much that the Maple Leafs can't overcome it. Just like they could have overcome Carey Price, leading his team all the way to the Stanley Cup final in 2021. Could overcome it. They didn't. They can overcome Sergei Bobrovsky, who ain't no Carey Price. Could have overcome Vasilevsky in game six and seven last year. Didn't, and then did this year. Mm-hmm. So what? They have to wait until they play Bobrovsky next season? No, I'm just saying that everyone is fallible, right? Like a, like Bobrovsky, Speak for I can almost guarantee you, is not going to get a shutout in every single game the rest oh of the series. Oh, boy. All right. What are you going to do? Stab me? <laughs> <laughs> right. What are you going to do? Shut me out for games three and four? I don't know. Uh, what are you going to do? Give up a million runs and lose a sixth straight game? We'll, we'll find out. Uh, Blue Jay Jackson G- is going to save this team, though. Uh, Caitlin McGrath next of The Athletic as we get set for game one against the Pirates. Tonight, it is the fan drive time. Ben Ennis, Blake Murphy, Sportsnet 590, the fan, and Sportsnet 360. Everything Raptors before and after the games. The Raptor Show with Will Liu. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Fan Drive Time, Sportsnet 590, The Fan. Sportsnet 360, Ben Ennis, Blake Murphy. It wasn't very long ago that things were going so well in a sporting sense for the city of Toronto. Blue Jays were winning five of six on a homestand. Maple Leafs were winning their first postseason series in 19 years. And now the Leafs are down 2 nothing, and the Blue Jays have lost five straight, and our pets' heads are falling off. Yeah, and we've gone from people asking me about interesting Raptors head coaching candidates to having to do the Mike Budenholzer thing all mm. over again, which we can just stop. Please learn the name of more than five coaches in <laughs> the sport. Um, okay. Yeah, we we don't need to make things worse by also going down that path. It's a crisis, though. Things are bad. All right. Uh, to talk about uh, the baseball crisis, let's, uh, let's bring in Caitlin McGrath of The Athletic. It's a crisis, Caitlin. Yeah, I mean, crisis in Boston, I guess. <laughs> okay, you weren't really selling it, um, but yeah, it was it was pretty it was pretty ugly. I will say, from a starting pitching perspective, and the guy that was supposed to be the stopper, 
who I think still is the best uh, pitcher in this starting staff, was awful again, second time this season he has been, and I don't think it changes uh, our perception of him. He's allowed to have an off day. It's a poorly timed one. Um, what do you make of, of, of what happened over the four games in Boston, admittedly in some lousy weather for some of it? Yeah, I mean, the, the weather came up a few times, not in a way that John Schneider wanted to make an excuse, but also it's hard to ignore when, uh, you know, I was there and it was really wet. Like, I don't think the sun came out for a few days there. I mean, very briefly it came out and then it went immediately back in and started raining again. Um, So it was not a pleasant four days. um, And yeah, just a lot of things. I mean, really what went wrong was pitching, I think in defense a little bit and, you know, the Red Sox, they're a good hitting team. And, there's a lot of guys on that team that, um, you know, are hitting really well when they maybe weren't hitting so well last year. They've got a lot of hot guys in that lineup right now. And you mentioned Kevin Gosman and something that he's been talking about, just somewhat of a weird trend this year is that he's kind of been saying he's been feeling good basically every other start. Maybe he's not bouncing back the way that he wants to every time. And so he's kind of said to us, like, I don't know why. And I'd, like to go out there and feel good every single time. Um, But there is kind of a pattern emerging where he looks like, you know, the best he can look against the Mariners, uh, you know, back at the homestand. And then obviously yesterday was not his best start. Um, And so, you know, that's maybe a trend worth monitoring. He has pitched on some weirdly cold days yesterday included. Um, And so maybe it's one of these things where uh, as, the year goes on and the weather warms up and his body starts bouncing back or whatever, you get more into your routine and your rhythm. Maybe that goes away, but yeah, overall, like the, it's weird. The trend with the pitching has kind of been, they're all going or they're all not going. It's it's maybe I'm making, I'm simplifying that too much, but it does feel like it's either they're all pitching amazing or none of them are. And it's kind of going that way, which is not a great like trend you want because, and you know, you're going back and forth between very hot and cold periods. Cause as far as I've watched this with these teams, it really seems like they go when their their starters go. Yeah, and I don't I don't think you're making that up. I, I think you know they had before this time through the rotation, they had two times through the rotation that was like historic. Like the Blue Jays as a franchise had never had eight consecutive starts that strong from their starting pitching statistically. Um, and I, I want to circle back to that because something that bunching up your good and bad periods does is it takes your bullpen from not being needed very much and being able to be awesome two three innings at a time to having to use your bullpen four plus innings every night out um but before we get to that i just have to i have to follow up on the weather thing because i don't want to be negative or alarmist but caitlin this team plans on playing in october have you ever been uh, in Toronto or Boston or New York in October? Uh, I don't know that the weather is going to be any better come playoff time than it is right now. Is that like, is that, does that mean anything to you at all? Like the, the weather thing, I know it's most of the season is going to be played in nicer weather and warmer weather, but you do kind of have to figure out how to win that style of game because it's not going to be, you know, every game's not going to be in Florida in October, right? Right. Well, I mean, when we get home field advantage and then you have the roof in Toronto and you can win those games, I guess, is one strategy. Um, I mean, the weather was I would say like more um, bothersome was probably the rain um, more so than the cold. It was just like very 
damp weather the entire four days. And so mm. I don't know. Like, I, I mean, I wouldn't. I wouldn't want to get too down in the rabbit hole of, and how the Blue Jays can play in cold weather and whatnot. But to your point, like it is a good one. It's not like you're going to be playing in warm weather come October in, um, you know, New York or Boston or wherever it may be. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's probably something that they have to get used to, but you know, maybe it was just a shock to the system having like four days of rain like they did. Mm-hmm. No, it didn't look like fun. That didn't make for the best trip for you either, yeah. I imagine, Caitlin. Like, like Boston <laughs> can be a fun city, and I know that you got to troll a little bit of like, oh, feels like the Bruins just lost in this city, and then they give you no nice weather. Yeah, it's a bummer. That's yeah, funny. it was. I do, I do like Boston. It's one of my favorite cities to go to now. It took me a while to warm up to it, and um, but it was fun. I got to use the transit system there because it was rain. You didn't want to walk around, so. I really feel like I connected with the Boston city getting on their public transit and all that. So it's the first time Blue Jays have been swept in a four-game series since that uh, ill-fated uh, Seattle trip uh, last year, which was the beginning of the end for uh, Charlie Montoyo. So really, I mean, it's it's we're, we're getting to see a lot of first for John Schneider all season long, him going through his first spring training with this team, and we're seeing his first full season as well. It's not actually a crisis because, you know, it's early May, but this is... I mean, it's notable that you you go from all the good vibes and 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 right there with uh, well, I was going to say right there with the Rays, but the the Orioles had been playing good baseball too, and I think you were still stuck in third before this trip. But now you're back into fourth, um, just a half game up on the Yankees. This is his first quote unquote crisis. What, what did you notice from, from John Schneider trying to navigate these waters? Yeah, he seems fine. Like I think he has he's been in baseball a really long time. Um, he's managed a really long time, albeit in the minors. Um, and he's been with this team since 2019, at least in the major leagues as a coach. So, you know, not necessarily the face of the organization, the way you are with when you're the manager, but certainly he's ridden up its and downs with this club for a while now. And, you know, he's really level headed. And I think he has the perspective, like you just said, that it's early May. I mean, the Blue Jays had been playing really well. Um, up to that point. Um, and so, you know, they kind of banked a lot of wins. Um, and so, you know, you want to add to it, but already, they have 18 wins. And uh, I think before they were going into Boston, they were on like a hundred and what, one, two win pace. Now they're sort of down to like a 91, 92 win pace. So, I mean, even with this losing streak, they're still kind of in a pretty good spot. Um, this is a very tough stretch of schedule. Um, for them, and then obviously it's going to ease up at some point. So I think this is the point of the year, and this is the point of the schedule where obviously you have to play better than they did in Boston. Uh, I think some of those games, the yeah, they gave some, they gave a lot of runs away in that game. I guess it was Wednesday night when they had four errors, could have been five errors. Um, they weren't playing sh- very sharp, so they have to obviously improve in every way. But you know, this is still a a good baseball team. They're still in a very good spot. And the way that they played very well in April means that they are in a good spot. I mean, the AL East is, they're all in a good spot. Really. If you look like, I think not that long ago, we were talking about the Red Sox not being very good. And then the Yankees were having a crisis as well. And like, but they're all kind of around each other other than the Rays that have kind of jumped ahead. Yeah, they, they are. And it's, uh, I mean, the Rays are so far ahead and they just like, Every day, it's more good news there. It's like Glasnow's almost back now, and uh, it's just never going to stop. I guess if you're the Jays, all you can really do is kind of eyes on your own 
page. There's there's no other way uh, around it. Um, so, Caitlin, when you had mentioned the the bunching of the bad starts and the good starts, and obviously this was a bunching of the bad starts, what we see is you need to use the bullpen more and then maybe some holes that aren't there when you need the bullpen sparingly look a little worse when you need to rely on them every single day. And the Blue Jays' bullpen, you and I were sitting next to each other for the Mariners game last Saturday, and I think the stat came out that it was 35 or 36 consecutive hitters that the bullpen had sat down, and it is very much unraveled since then um in your eyes how much of that is you know just a, a natural regression of a bullpen that was maybe overperforming and how much of it is you know the, these guys have been asked to do a lot this last week and, and that can kind of poke holes in your plans yeah i think a little bit of both i mean obviously they were gonna they, they didn't give up a hit for five games they didn't give a run for five games so that was gonna end at some point like that was you know that's unsustainable but i do think that the more you're asking of them to come into earlier in games, the harder it is on them. You're using guys in spots where you don't really want to use them. Then you're sort of running out of guys quicker. Like I think John Schneider said something the other day when it's like, when you're going to the bullpen in the fifth inning, you feel like you're a guy short. Like you feel like you don't have enough guys because it's maybe one or two innings earlier than you wanted to, which pushes all your plans back. And it's just a lot of juggling. And again, we have to like, remember that this is still like early in the season. And so I know fans and particularly Jays fans who maybe are scarred from a few seasons ago where they did miss the playoffs by one game and everything matters and all that kind of stuff. Totally understand that. But there is a way to manage in May, and there's probably a different way to manage in August and September when you're in the push run, right? Like, so I do think there's a little bit of like you, you know, if the, if they're down in a game and they're down by two runs, you know, they're not going to call on Jordan Romano just to keep it at two runs. Like sometimes they're they're going to have to go to somebody else, and you can't manage every game right now. Like you need to win every single game you have to sort of manage series as well so if you're down in one series in one game and maybe you try to keep it close as best you can with using the guys that you you can and you hope that the next day you are leading and then you'll have Jordan Romano or Eric Swanson or whoever available so there's a little bit of that too and I think sometimes people want to just use all the best relievers all the time but it is a huge juggling act that you have to consider you know from game to series to time of year to, you know, who's fresh, all this kind of stuff, because you have to kind of manage with thinking of the now, but also the future. No, I would simply use the right reliever for the right situation every single time. And oh, Jordan Romano man. has to pitch 162 games. Yeah. Nate Pearson's going to pitch 162. Uh, it's fine. Caitlin, there are uh, a little bit of reinforcements coming. Zach Pop hits the IL today with a hamstring issue. We, we have seen Nate Pearson because of Adam Simber's rhomboid issue. Uh, but the big name coming up today, 35-year-old uh, career kind of minor league journeyman, Jay Jackson, was with the team in spring training. I, I know uh, a bunch of you on the beat got to know him a little bit. He does have a taste of the major leagues over a couple different stops, uh, but mostly an unknown here. What are we looking for from Jay Jackson uh, beyond just like a really cool story of a guy trying to make it again at 35? Yeah, well, he had a really great spring. I think that was the headline on him. I don't think he allowed a run and he pitched quite a lot because he was trying to win a job. So obviously there was like the, you know, the roster crunch situation that there typically is it's spring, but he liked the organization, the organization liked him. And so they kept him in the fold with a minor league deal and obviously um, added him to the 40 man so that if they did need to call someone up, he would be available. And so, you know, he throws pretty hard, I think. Um, and he gets a lot of strikeouts and where he was doing that in spring. I confess, I haven't really looked at his um, AAA numbers, but mm-hmm. the fact that he's getting called up 
probably means that he's doing been doing pretty well. Um, and so, you know, they're trusting to give him the ball, and I'm sure he'll be put into spots where, you know, he needs to get out, and they're going to trust him. And like you said, he's a veteran, and while maybe, like, not having a ton of major league time, he's sort of been in all different experiences. I know he pitched overseas a lot, and I think he's pitched in big spots overseas and stuff, so none of this will really be new to him. Um, but, yeah, that's good. I mean, it's good to have a fresh arm. And, you know, maybe it's good to have a, a different sort of guy in there, you know, inject some new life in the bullpen. Not that the bullpen seemed like it needed any life injected into it. I was just around in Boston and everything seemed fine. But, you know, you never know. Like, um, you know, having a, a guy that they all like there, uh, that they all grew close to in spring could, you know, could always help. Yeah, he's got a very reliever-ish name, Jay Jackson, right? Like, doesn't that sound like a, like a good reliever name? I don't know. Maybe that's does, just me. Yeah. Okay. Thank no, it's you. a good Thank name. You. It's a good name. Right. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, Caitlin, I uh, appreciate the time. Thanks. Yeah, of course. Anytime. Caitlin McGrath of The Athletic, um, just humoring me, like you could tell, that like obviously did not agree at all. It was like, yeah, no, for sure, whatever you said. Yeah, or just hadn't thought a lot about, like, what's the best reliever name? Um, <laughs> it is like, it is a, a pretty generic name. And yeah. that, but I think of reliever name more as like really goofy, like Chase and Shreve to me yeah, is the most relief pitcher uh, name. Anyway, to Caitlin's point about Jay Jackson's uh, numbers down in the minors this year, uh, the ERA not a sparkling mm-hmm. 591. However, all of the damage was isolated to uh, two back-to-back appearances that Jackson made in early to mid-April. So maybe... You... So he's just like every starter on this team. He's, yes. he's got highs and lows. Yes. Uh, so over his last five appearances, and, and I know this is cutting small samples into smaller samples, but this is probably what the Jays are looking at in terms of, well, who should the next guy be? Uh, B, and they don't have a lot of options down there right now. Uh, but over his last five appearances, six and a third innings, uh, one earned run that came on a solo home run, only five hits, eight strikeouts to one walk. Like he's, he's, yeah, the solid. strikeout totals are good. Yeah. And like, yeah, he did get lit up in, in a pair of games earlier in April. Uh, but when your options down there are clear a 40 man spot to add someone new on there or mm. like, the Drew Hutchison's Casey Lawrence's of the world. Like why not the guy with strikeout stuff who to Caitlin's point has a a lot of experience in different situations, just not quite at the major league level. Some guys that are on the 40 man that aren't produced like Zulueta. That's what I mean. It's like, it's like you're like, I think Zulueta has been so bad that it's not even a conversation to, Mm -hmm. to give him a look. And they're trying to, keep them stretched out reasonably. And mm-hmm. there's just, there's not a lot of immediate pitching depth in this organization, which is another part of what makes the, you know, the starters having five consecutive shaky games, not great because, you know, short of Mitch white walking back through that door, the next person up is like, who had last look had a, an ERA North of seven for this blue Jays team. Yeah. And who um, had one good, uh, minor league rehab start and then one very very bad minor league rehab start. <laughs> again so, you'll fit right in yeah um i mean you don't really care about minor league rehab starts really but like he's not that close like it's he's like i think eight or nine days into his 30 rehab assignment days so um yeah there's just not a lot of pitching depth right here so anytime you get frustrated with uh whether it's the back end of the rotation or you know a talking point because zach pop is now on the il we had kind of not really joked, but joked about Anthony Bass, Phantom IL, rhomboid issue. You can't even do that now because, like, the next person up from AAA is not someone that you really want to see 
at the major league level right now. Not not a lot of uh, immediate depth. So you got to kind of weather this right now. Did you see the Rays tra- uh, traded for Chase Anderson a couple of days ago from the Reds minor league system? Yeah. Who, who the Blue Jays, like, ruined. Like, he was, like, a very passable starting pitcher for his entire career. They go out and get him from Milwaukee in the 60-game 2020 yeah. season. He's horrific. Horrific ever since. Like, just, yeah. like, no good yeah. anywhere. And, of course, the, the Rays traded cash for him uh, to the Cincinnati Reds. And, of course, he's going to very much be a factor for that. He'll yeah, be probably I mean, pitching he's, Game he's 7 already, of the World Series. He's already thrown three shutout innings. Yeah, no, obvi- ob- obviously, Blake. Also, like, what world are we living in where the Tampa Bay Rays traded cash for something? I don't know. Yeah. They just shake <laughs> out the couch cushions? <laughs> yeah, I would like to know how much cash. Not a lot of cash is my guess. Well, and this is the other thing about, hey, uh, and I know it's, it was an argument in years past when this Blue Jays team has had leaky issues in the bullpen or in the rotation that you can't trade now. And, and that's, that's obviously I, not I a, a, that it's not a hugely significant trade. And yeah, you can always grab somebody who's on the, you know, the, who has an options issue or somebody who the, the organization doesn't believe mm-hmm. in. So that's besides the point, but there are, there's always moves to be made. You just might have to pay a little bit of a premium to get yeah, that well, person. But here's the point. thing is like, if you're, especially if you're looking at like, let's put the Liam Hendricks of the world aside, right? Mm-hmm. Let's look at the Adam Simber, Anthony Bass class of guys from recent years where they yeah. did trade for, yep. you know, not high end bullpen help, but medium. Well, I mean, go back help. to like the Trevor Richards and Adam Simber yeah. trades. Yeah. I said Simber. Did you say Simba? Yeah, I said Simba and Bass. I oh. know Bass was deadline last year, but mm-hmm. that tier of guy, right? Mm-hmm. Well, if you go to some of these teams that are struggling, I know like the Royals and Athletics and Rockies don't have very many good pitchers. Otherwise, they wouldn't be doing this well. But like an incentive for those teams to make a trade now versus the deadline is just you don't have to pay the guy as much. well. And also it you are protected in case of injury for like, and not to say that the Blue Jays would be interested in Araldis Chapman, but a guy that is clearly a, a Kansas City Royal for the express purpose of being traded, being traded yeah. and having I don't, a good season. And, but his arm could easily fall off between yeah. now and the end of July. And I don't want to go down the, the Chapman role. Certainly, but you can look at like the number one reliever right now in strikeouts per nine is Alexis Diaz from the Reds who mm-hmm. are absolutely sellers at the trade deadline. Like mm-hmm. now Diaz isn't a great example because he doesn't make a ton of money, mm-hmm. but pick someone off of the the list of, reliever leaderboards from bad teams who makes a little bit of money. And if you trade for them now, that team doesn't have to pay them. So maybe that's an incentive. It's certainly, I mean, Oakland, I think only has minimum contracts, so you don't yeah. have to, you don't have to worry about it as much with them, but yeah, there are, there but are do, always do you, opportunities to, do you think guys. that, uh, cause so I, I think there's some, some good relievers in this Blue Jays bullpen, obviously there at the are, very, very back end. I and like entered, Eric Swanson gives yeah. up a home run. Like he's still very good. And Jordan Romano, he gives up some runs in Boston. He's still yeah. very good. And you're not worried about it. And maybe Jimmy Garcia is off to a slower start, but I, I, I think you're still relatively comfortable. And Tim Mesa, outside of like mm-hmm. opening day has been real good. But like, are we at the point really where you're starting to look at the, the trade market for relievers? I mean, I, I entered the season thinking, hey, come trade deadline time, this team is going to be looking for another back-end arm because I like, I like the depth that they entered the season with, and Eric Swanson has been a much better 
Um, I mean, not much better. Like, he's about what was advertised. But there were yeah. some question marks about, like, oh, he's got the swing and missed up. But Seattle never trusted him in big right. situations. Like, they would use Andres yes. Munoz day over day over day. And, like, even in the two games against the Blue Jays, like, yep. you're sitting there like, where is Eric Swanson? Like, yeah. this guy with 13K per nine <laughs> and a huge swing striker. Why don't they trust them? Mm-hmm. Um, so there were some question marks. That's nice to see delivered. But I always thought this team was going to have to address, you know, if you have a bunch of guys you're comfortable with in the sixth inning, and then a guy you're comfortable with in the ninth inning, like that's that doesn't mean you have a good bullpen. It means you have lots of okay options. I just I always thought they were going to have to address it at some point. So I'm just okay moving the timeline up on it a little bit. And you know maybe you you're in a situation now where you don't have a choice but to be more patient with Anthony Bass. Like a, a phantom IL can't really happen right now. A DFA certainly can't happen with the 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 lack of depth in this organization. But I do think that if you're in a win now season and you're in a make the playoff season and the standings are what they are, like you have uh, an obligation to make your team better as soon as is reasonable. Well, that's true. Uh, as far as acquiring players that are, is also true. And I, Caitlin, the point is well taken about managing a game in May uh, differently perhaps than you would in September when like the, the the finish line is right there and you can see exactly what you have to do. But that being said, like there is an, a, a flip side to that coin, right? That, hey, there's a massive gap to make up now on the Tampa Bay Rays, which still is the goal for this team is to win a division title. It's not to make the playoffs. Boy, if you miss the playoffs... I mean, that, it seems impossible. It, Honestly, it does not seem impossible. It does to me. To me, it does. I know, I know all five AL East teams can't get in, but now that they're not all playing each other, I think you have to be better than one. Because uh, I, think, you I think we're going to have... You also have to be better than one of the AL West teams. Then, mm-hmm. like, even if you think the Angels will come back down to Earth. First of all, I don't know that that's a fair assumption because the Angels do have... The two greatest players on the planet. Mm-hmm. Like if they two and a half, because you know, you gotta can't show hey as more than sure. one. Um and like the Astros are going to be better than a five hundred team. Mm-hmm. Um maybe the Rangers come back down to earth, but they're not bad on paper, and the Mariners will probably be a little better than they've been so far. So I think I mean, and yeah, even if Baltimore and Boston aren't as good as they've shown so far, the margins are slim and you okay, know, so then maybe you're playing even more into my my point, which is that there is a level of urgency that you do 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 need to be managing these games, despite the fact that it's early May. Now it's yeah, not. I'm, it's I'm not, not like throwing like pitch Romano every day. Yeah, exactly. I'm just saying like this idea that trades don't happen until the deadline, and you have what you have, and you just wait until three months down the line to address what are at this moment pretty clear needs, and like. Again, there are needs that we thought we figured they'd have to address by the deadline coming into the year. It's not an overreaction. It's just kind of confirming our priors. And then, you know, maybe the area you want to be patient on is like, yeah, let's see if Brandon Belt comes mm-hmm. around or Cabin Vigio starts to hit or something like that. Maybe you can be a little bit more patient in that spot. But yeah, I mean, we knew this team would need bullpen reinforcements at some point. They've been fine for the most part. I just I I just don't like the logic of, well, wait until the trade deadline. No. There's no rule. Nope. About that. Nope, these games count the same. All right, uh, time now for Last Call. Brought to you by Bet Rivers. It's a whole new game. Just one game in the Stanley Cup playoffs. And it is the Carolina Hurricanes hosting the New Jersey Devils. And uh, that one has the Hurricanes favored at minus 112, trying to take a two games to none series lead. NBA playoffs. Celtics and... uh, 
Philadelphia 76ers is Joel Embiid looking for his second ever postseason victory against the Celtics in his career. He's like one and nine. Uh, the Celtics on the road, minus two and a half points, favorites. The Suns up against it, down two games to none as that series returns home on Sportsnet 360. Four-point favorites. And the uh, game you can hear in mere moments right here on Sportsnet 590, the fan. Blue Jays starting their series off against the surprising Pittsburgh Pirates in Pittsburgh Blue Jays with Chris Bassett on the mound against Rich Hill. Minus 150. And that was Last Call brought to you by Bet Rivers. It's a whole new game. The Hound on the mound. Who's the Hound? Bassett. Oh. Come on, man. I you're going to do you're going to do your Rich <laughs> what Hill. What am I going to do? What I, is that? What is I my, can't do a yeah. PG-13 <laughs> Bassett Hound. Mine was joke. very much PG-13 as well. All right, anyways. Uh, my, uh, my kids aren't allowed to listen to your show. <laughs> Rich Hill, Chris Bassett, enjoy uh, the baseball game. We'll be back on Monday. This has been the Fan Drive Time, Sportsnet 590 The Fan, and Sportsnet 360. See ya.